The children are dismissed to children's church. And what a powerful song with powerful words. He will hold me fast. And what's great about those words, not only are they powerful, but they're full of such powerful and great and grand meaning. In fact, in that song, it's talking not just about the meaning and the power for our lives today, but for everlasting life for him to take us to his presence forever. What a great thing to focus on today. What a great thing to talk about today. In fact, we are talking about our words today and the power behind them, the meaning behind them. Words are powerful. Words are full of meaning. And it's important to recognize the power and the meaning behind them. In fact, as we talk about our words and the power of our tongues, we will recognize in Scripture and our lives three things. We recognize that God speaks, Satan speaks, and people speak. So how do we glorify God with our speech? Speaking like Christ, not Satan. For we are children of God, friends of God, not children of Satan, not to be friends of this world, but to be friends of God. So how are we building up in love those who surround us and glorifying the one that, mean, that means the most to us with our words? Welcome back to church. Welcome out back to Bloomer Baptist Church. I'm excited to be with all of you today. And I have a lot to say today, which is kind of ironic considering what we're talking about is our words. Please open to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We have some of, the, some of the scripture on the slides today, but not everything. So if you have a copy of God's word or if you want to use your cell phones, your tablets, it's fine. Open up to James chapter 3. And we'll be covering, like I said, quite a bit. James 3 all the way into chapter 4. But then next week we'll come back to chapter 4 a little bit as well. James 3, after Hebrews and before 1st, 2nd Peter. And what we're going to speak to, about today, I want to say in two, in, in two directions here. It may be very convicting, but it may also be very encouraging. And we should definitely yield to both directions. See in both directions, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell you? What is he trying to, to lean into you about? Again, we're talking about our words, our mouth, our tongues. And as you probably already know, James devotes a lot of this book, a lot of this letter to our words. How are we speaking? It's not just about our ears. However, we have two ears and one mouth, as we, as we heard a few weeks ago. But we do have that one mouth, and powerful it is. Before speaking to our tongue... Let's speak a little bit about James. You see, we're in this book of James, which we said is great. It's a book filled with great wisdom. In fact, it's often been referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. James practically and faithfully reminds Christians everywhere, how are we to live? From perseverance into the faith and to have faith filled with works, faith with action to talking about controlling one's tongue and submitting to God's will and having patience. This book is a great reminder to everyone. How should we be living every single day of our lives, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God? So I want to remind you, as you look to this book, and I do encourage you, I challenge you, look to this book not just on Sunday mornings, but maybe each day of the week to follow. Turn back to these pages. Read it again and think, God, what are you trying to tell me here? And in order for you to see that, we need to see, we need to see and recognize what was God trying to say back then. 
Keep it in context. But today we speak of controlling one's tongue. And the passage today speaks of the tongue being a tongue of fire. Fire. And fire may bring forth great life, but it may also bring forth great destruction. Fire may be used for many great things. In fact, Pastor Chuck referenced this morning of that, of that VBS-themed dinner coming up, which I do want to encourage you to remind you, it is a fundraiser. So please come, help out the youth ministry, help out the ministries of Bloomer Baptist Church that way. And in so doing, have fun yourself and enjoy It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and there will be fire. Who here likes fire? Speaking of fire, you may think, how does fire bring forth both life and destruction, both enjoyment but also despair? Well, let me say this. You can't make s'mores without a fire. And you don't want to have a fall outdoor party without a bonfire, do you? The life of the party seems to be gone when you don't have that bonfire at a fall party outside. Maybe it's to stare into or maybe it's to stay warm so you're not shivering, but that fire brings forth some type of life to be enjoyed at that party. Or let's go one step further. And this baffles me how anybody would have thought to do this, but have you ever seen a a prairie or a field full of flowers, beautiful wildflowers, and yet what do they do to that so many years, every so many years? But they catch it ablaze on purpose. They purposely set ablaze so that they might grow back with more life and more beauty. But here's the point, that fire, it must be controlled. It must be a controlled burn, and this is just as the tongue being a fire must be controlled. For just as a small spark may start a massive multi-state wildfire, a small word spoken from the tongue may cause irreputable damages within one's life. The tongue, as powerful as it may be, for good may also lead us into great bad. In fact, we know from the tongue, it might lead us to salvation as we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, but it can also lead us into great sin. We must watch our tongue. One theologian states that it's been said that there aren't many sins that don't involve talking in some way. And he states, this theologian, it is as if all the wickedness in the whole world were wrapped up in that little piece of flesh. Speaking again about the power of such a small thing, such a small spark of fire, we speak of the great Chicago fire, which many of you may have been more aware of than me coming from Ohio, but here's the facts, or here's the story. On October 8th, 1871, it said that Mrs. O'Leary, I love that name, Mrs. O'Leary, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, she might not like her name anymore, her cow is said to have kicked over a lantern at 8.30 p.m. And it said that this one kicked over lantern led to the great Chicago fire, leaving 100,000 people homeless, 17,500 buildings destroyed, 300 people dead, and $400 million in damages, all because a cow kicked over a lantern. Many of you see each year the wildfires out west where multiple states will be ablaze all at once. And we don't often hear about them, but every year there's vast wildfires up in the Canadian wilderness as well. And so often that one, that, that, that huge fire goes ablaze from one little spark. 
Maybe it's a campfire that was left unattended. Maybe it's a cigarette that somebody flicks out their window. One little spark can do a lot of damage. Something small can cause great destruction. A lantern, a match, a fire can burn down a house, a city, a life. And the tongue is compared to a fire for it sets things ablaze. Hear this. You see, words are incredibly powerful. And they may carry in them encouragement for life or discouragement to death. Let me repeat that. Words are incredibly powerful. And as we use our words each and every single day, we can think through they may carry in them encouragement for life or discouragement to death. Following up on this thought, how do we use our tongues? Our tongues of fire for good words, words which glorify God and his purposes in and through us. Words may bring great healing, may bring great salvation, but they can also tear somebody down, can't they? They can bring destruction. They can bring war. One author once said of our words, so innocent and powerless as they are, standing in a dictionary, how potent and evil they become in the hands of someone who knows to combine them wrongly. Yes, words can be evil. They can be destructive. Many of you who have grown through middle school years or different years of your life have experienced this in some way. And maybe that's different for each of us upon what stage of our life was the worst. But I want you to see beyond that and see that words can also be great. They can be powerful and encouraging. They can be filled with hope and with strength and with joy. Simply think for a moment of a time in your life where somebody gave you encouragement, which, which encouraged you to move past a certain problem, past something which was holding you up. Maybe you're stuck on the past in some type of struggle. Maybe you're stuck in the present in a struggle. And that one person came to you and gave you that one encouragement, that one pat on the back with a few words of wisdom. And it lifted you up. It exalted you. We know words are powerful and full of meaning. And in fact, in the book of Genesis, we see that God spoke and the world came to be. We see in Psalm 33, 9, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. Yes, words are especially powerful when spoken from the word of God. But they can be used from, for great evil as well as Satan spoke to Adam and Eve and Eve and she sinned. And all humanity has fallen since. You see, the tongue is a fire. How do we use our tongue? One author once stated, and maybe you've heard this before, that the tongue can be or is the most dangerous weapon in the world. He compares it to be more powerful than the atom bomb. As it destroys lives, maybe not always physically, but emotionally. And some lives do not recover from that. Think about that for a moment. How words can be a dangerous weapon. Let's see what James has to teach us here. Please look in your Bibles to James chapter 3. And I'm going to start with verses 1 through 5. And it says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. 
If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are also so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet a boast of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now James begins here making a strong point about teachers, about preachers, about pastors, about those teaching the word of God specifically, which wouldn't make a lot of sense if we didn't see the whole chapter as a, in general speaking about how dangerous our works can be, about how our words, I might have said works, but how our words can lead somebody astray. But I believe these words are not just for pastors and teachers. I think he's speaking of himself. He's speaking of teachers. And he's thinking, speaking, though, to a whole audience about how we need to pay particular attention to the teachers that we have in our life, for they can lead us astray. And there's a warning here for those teachers, for those preachers, that they will be held accountable. But I think we can also apply these to all of our lives, because either way, we can realize we all speak and we all teach through how we live and through how we use our tongues. Either way, he immediately moves on in verse 2 saying, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he says he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. In simple terms, he's saying if you can control your mouth, you can control everything, and you can be a perfect man. I don't know about you. I am far from perfect. And I think we all should recognize this, as too often we all say things which we wish we could take back, that we wish we never said at all. Or so often we say things without fully thinking through it. It's like that, that fire, that wildfire, which gets set and goes a-blazing through the wilderness. We say things, and we wish we could have at least said it more gentler to be controlled, to be said with grace. James gives some practical examples here in verses 3 to 5, how something so large and powerful is controlled by something comparably small. He uses the example of a horse's bit, the rudder of a ship, and even a small fire to make a strong point. And in this we see James in essence said, the tongue is more dangerous than a runaway horse or a storm at sea. Also, see this. All these things are ultimately controlled by something else. That large ship is controlled by a rudder. That, that powerful, strong-willed horse is controlled by a bit in its mouth, bridling him. Did I say that right, Sue? Thank you. Which we can't help but compare our lives then. You see, we have a responsibility. This is a good reminder that we do have a role to play in all of this. We have a responsibility to use our words, our tongues, not just for personal profit, for personal gain, for personal glorification at the sake of others, but for the glorification of God and ex exalting the building up of the body. Our words can be used for greatness for goodness of the goodness of God, or that can be used to tear people down. How will we use our words? 
The question we have all today after reading this scripture is, will you step up and take this responsibility seriously? Seeing that, that what is at stake is God's glory and the potential is a great fall or a great life, encouraging others or destroying others, bringing people into a better fulfillment of who God means them to be, helping to build them up, mentoring them, discipling them or bring them down. Look at the potential for disaster here. Verses 6, verse 6 of chapter 3 says this, and I'll have this on the screen. The tongue being a fire, we've covered this greatly. It says, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This shows that the tongue and its ability to spread evil isn't just to your life, but it can affect the entire body of Christ. It can affect those around you, and it can affect them not just for today, but their entire sphere of living. You know, one pastor states of that one final verse there set on fire by hell. He states quite powerfully, the tongue has a unique potential to quite possibly unleash hell on others when you sinfully and not for God's glory. Let me read that once more. That's powerful. The tongue has a unique potential to quite possibly unleash hell on others when you sinfully and not for God's glory. It's pretty intimidating. It's pretty blunt, isn't it? But I hope I'm painting a picture here as James does. That the tongue, although small like a ship's rudder, like a bit in a horse's mouth, has great power to direct one's life. What direction are you going with your tongue? No sinful human has been able to tame the tongue. We must always be at war, at battle to control it. Think about that ship and the ship's rudder. Think about your own boats if you have one. I don't know about you, but my boat, when I'm driving down the lake, I got to hold that steering wheel. If you let go of that wheel, it will start spinning. You let go of, that, of that, that motor, and it could start spinning you around. You ever seen those videos on YouTube I have where a boat gets uncontrolled? Maybe the person falls overboard, and it just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning out of control until it wrecks upon the shoreline, causing great damage. That is our life when we're not controlling our mouth. James says in verses 7 to 10, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea, creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it will we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, and these things ought not to be so. I read of one pastor which used these words, and quite strongly, he says, On Sundays our singing may sound like angelic praise, but during the week, like demons, our voices sound, hell-bent for destruction of others. That's powerful. And obviously, he hasn't heard my singing because I don't sound like angelic praise. But it does make us think about our words. On Sunday mornings, I hope that we're all lifting a praise to God and we're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about giving him what he's due and we're praising for him for who he is. 
But then think about our life through the week. Do we still sound like there's angelic, that angelic praise, there's angelic choirs of, of countless angels singing praises up to the Lord? Or do we sound no different than the world looking out for their own? In Matthew, we read that words show the, what's on the inside. Words illuminate and, and show what our heart is. So as we use bad words, or as we use our words to tear people down, we must question ourselves and say, are we showing how we have a renewed heart, a renewed spirit, a newness of life? What's on the inside of your person? Does it show through your words? Our words often remind us in a very painful way just how despicable we truly are, but just how graceful and merciful our great God is to love us and to sanctify us and every day make us more like our Savior. But every day we still have a battle. The word tells us here, no one, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So what do we do? James told us the other week to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So how do we move from hurtful and damaging, non-glorifying tongues to being doers of his word and glorifying him and bringing up the body? Well, let's look to righteous living for the love of God and his people, because I think that's what it comes down to. We must righteously live for the love of God and his people. We must live for his kingdom glory. So what does James 3 tell us of this? He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sincere. Let me repeat that. We're in James 3, 13 to 4, 10. And this says wisdom from above. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, your desires. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, and you can circle this, you can underline it, you can star it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So what is the fix to all this? What is the anecdote? What is the solution? James tells us we are to have humility. We are to have meekness. We are to have kindness. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you, he says. And the word exalt means to lift up or to raise up. But I want to say in order to do this, we also need to show this. It's about wanting something beyond ourselves. for this word also tells us not to spend our lives seeking out our own passions, our own desires, not to be a friend seeking out all the things of the world and being an enmity with God, but being a friend of God, seek the things of God. We must want to lift up him most and others like ourselves. We must want most to glorify God. And we must remember to do this with our tongue also. We must want to love God and love his people and let people see it. Don't just think it, but say it and be doers of the word. You see, so much of our life spins out of control when we seek our own desires, when we seek wanting ourselves to be the ones glorified most. So often in our life, it's about one-upping another, isn't it? Yet Christ, God tells us to humble ourselves, have humility, have meekness, have kindness, not thinking about ourselves, but thinking about others and seeking God's glory. You know, it's ironic that so often we speak of peace, yet the words we use do not show us seeking peace it, seeks us trying to it shows us trying to destroy another so that we have peace ourselves. James says in 4, 11 to 12, Do not speak evil against one another. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Strong words and these words, especially when you look at Matthew 7, 1 to 2, which says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, will, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. These words so often are used wrongly by culture in general to say, you should never judge anybody. You should never say anything to anybody that might be convicting. When in reality, we are to use God's word in love to show people how they're living wrongly. That is one of the greatest forms of love, to show them the right way to live. And the right way to live is by God's ways. But friends, we must also weigh our words carefully, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. We must be careful not to speak evil against one another. So what is the intention with your words, with your tongue? Is it to set a fire which goes uncontrolled or to set a spark which controlled helps to bring someone up to better living? To the righteousness of God. Finally, point three, moving on, we, rem we must remember in all things to have reverence for the Lord, reverence for God. As we have reverence for God, we will use our tongues more appropriately. 
Chapter 4, verse 13 to 17 says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, and you should underline or circle this one, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Where do things like boasting come from, arrogance come from? You guessed it so often. It's from the tongue. It's from our speech. It's from the words we form. We gain an impression of somebody, whether they're a person, a man, or a woman of God, humble in submission to the Savior, or if they're an arrogant man dependent on their own being. So often, not by their actions or their thoughts, but by what they say. I think we all need to hold God more reverently in our lives. How many of us speak carelessly to God's power and sovereignty? But then we're reminded here about our own power. We are like a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. But then we see God's word. He watches over us from the morning to the evening. Psalm 121 tells us that he never slumbers on us, but he cares for our life for eternity. His loving mercy and kindness are fresh every morning. And his word has an awful lot to say then about how we use our words in our actions doing for him. Doing for him. Maybe that's something to think about. Be doers for him. A little reverence can go a long way. Before working to close, I want to give you some more encouragement, some more quotes on our speech. But these aren't of worldly authors or pastors or theologians. These are straight from God's word. And straight from the Proverbs, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. And finally, powerfully, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. That's from Proverbs 18. There is death and life in the power of the tongue. Death and life in the power of the tongue. With our mouths, we praise God the Father in one setting and curse our neighbor in the other. And the word of God says, and I hope the Holy Spirit screams out within all of us, it ought not to be so. I wonder if we took a collection of our speech throughout the entire week and we look back upon it every Sunday morning. Who would it most glorify in this life or for the life to come? Would our words be seen all as a fire which creates life or a fire which destroys? You see, in the current days and times we live in, we must use our words to glorify God. And it's not that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, they were less powerful or less needing to use them for the glory of God. It's not. It's a saying. But in the current days and that we're in especially, 
We must use our words for the glorification of God and not self. How are you doing with that? And let me say, it's not just about watching our mouths at church or at work or at family get-togethers. That's a Super Bowl party. It's not just about using our words at Main Street Cafe and Harm's Way and Bohemians and Expeditions Coffee House and Hardee's in a way which helps build up others. But it's also in this day and age we live in about using our words appropriately, not for your glory, but for the sake of building up the body and God's glory in ways like your emails and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all these other apps, maybe it's a review, maybe it's a Yelp, and I'm speaking over some of your heads, but I'm driving the point that so often we use our words at least seemingly appropriately when we have a person standing in front of us, and we can see their face, and we don't want to make them feel bad in front of us, but then when they're not in front of us, somehow it's okay to speak nastily about them or to them. And maybe it's even a step beyond that, Maybe it's not to them at all. It's talking to somebody else and using our words to tear someone down in gossip to someone else instead of to that person. We must use our words not for the glorification of self or the bringing down of others, but the glorification of God and what helps build up the body. Not cursing of God and his image bearers, but exalting, lifting up. I don't know about you, but that's always convicting to me when I see people, not just as people, not just as strangers, and not just as even friends, but images of God, children of God. And even the person who seems like the wickedest in the world, they need to hear of God's love, not just cursing. Let your words be encouraging and filled with humility. Let your words be filled with kindness. Let your words be filled with meekness. Let your words show how much you love God and love his people and how you're looking out for the best of them to build them up and prove them to be, first of all, saved by the grace of God and then continually looking to God to be edified and sanctified by the word and by his spirit. Bring glory to God with your tongue. Bring glory to God with your tongue. I believe if James was here today, he might say to us all, we can do better. Let's say that together. We can do better. Sometimes it's good to say something out loud. Either it helps wake up the person beside you or it helps bring it into yourself in in a different power for us to understand. So let's say that one more time. We can do better. I want to encourage you this week, each day, to think about your tongue, to think about it, it as that rudder of that large ship. Is your tongue steering your ship to destruction of self or others? Is your tongue guiding you to God's ways to be a friend of God or to be a friend of the world? Is your tongue helping you to love others and love God and to show them how much you love God in them? And then, let's just not talk about it to ourselves or think about it. Talk about it with others. Check on a friend. Check on a brother, a sister, and ask them, how are you doing at controlling your tongue this week? 
And I'm not just talking about encouraging people and building them up with pleasantries. I'm also talking about using your tongue to convict people when maybe they say something bad or they're not living how they should, but doing it in a grace-filled way. And I'm also talking about the, the, and Lord, guide this, how we use God's name in appropriate ways, not using the OMGs or the oh my gods inappropriately, but appropriately to truly give him the glory and not curse him. Watching our language, it's, it's like milk for the body, for the bones. Let's move forward. Remember, the tongue reveals the heart. The tongue reveals what's on the inside. Think about your words from the week, from the day. Small things show a lot about us. Your tongues may confess Jesus as Lord, and yet also curse him like he is your enemy. Watch your tongues. Use your tongues for the glorification of God, not just for yourself. Show love for God and others with your words. And remember, the tongue is to be controlled. Just like that rudder of the ship, just like the bits in a horse's mouth that has a rider on the horse with the rings taking control and steering it the direction to go. We have a responsibility here. And sometimes we need to ring in our mouth speaking from someone that just spoke about it for 30 minutes and probably could have stopped a long time ago. Thank you. Let's pray and we're closed. There's no song today, and I'll tell you why, because maybe you can give him a phone call. Today is Pastor Eldon's final day over at the church he's been an interim pastor at over in Boyceville. And Brian and Lundgren family just wanted to go over there and kind of encourage him with that final day there, listen to him, hopefully give him some amens and praise the Lord, some yeah! And not just, what did you just say? <laughs> Give Eldon a call. Thank him for, for serving the Lord wherever he goes. Let's pray. And I encourage you to stick around for Sunday school. God bless you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it is a light to us. It is a lamp to us. And Lord, we thank you how it illuminates for us how we are to talk and speak, not just of desires of flesh of ourselves, but to seek out ways which glorify you. We thank you for the encouragement and the reminder, the challenge or conviction that our tongues can be like a fire. And that fire can be good, but it can also be disastrous for many, including ourselves. Lord, I pray that this week and every day we would be considering, is our mouth glorifying you or ourselves? May we consider every single day, how might we use our mouth, our tongues better to glorify you and bring up your people, your image bearers, more into your righteous ways. But Lord, may we not look to others so much that we fail to look at ourselves. Lord, help us. Help us to continue to put off the ways of the world, to not be seen as, as friends of the world, but to be seen as children and friends of God. May people hear our voice and say, oh, I know just who that is. That's Pastor Patrick. And not just because of our voice, but because of how we use our voice. Lord, we pray for your glory in all things. And all your people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today in worship. Have a great day. God bless.